We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Salute to Knicks Nation. CP from Knicks Van TV here. And today's podcast is brought to you by Scotch Porter men's grooming products as you guys know this is the grooming products that i use for my beard i particularly use their premium beard wash conditioner balm and serum and i just love how it makes my beard feel man it it feels soft it's shiny it's smooth smells great and most importantly they use all natural products and for all Knicks Fan TV, the podcast listeners, you can get free shipping on all orders on $50 or more. And also, they always have sales on their beard collections, so definitely check it out. You're going to want to go to www.scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. That's scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. Peace. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation Wednesday night. Knicks, special edition of our NBA Draft Prospect Series. Special guest, we finally got him, Jay Ellis. Spencer Perlman of the Stepian. Uh, was an NBA draft advisor to the Phoenix Suns last year and was a guest mm-hmm. on this show, JLs. We had Spencer on this show last year to break down uh, some of his film um, on some of these draft prospects. And, and we're here this year again. So, Spencer, welcome back, man. Good to see you, bro. Really? Even Michael, the hair is so long. Hey, Still listen, man. A- everybody's in their uh, quarantine struggles, man. Everybody's on their yes. Wolverine flow right now, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back though thanks for having yeah, me yeah yeah all things considered man definitely good to be talking hoops so let, let's get right into it with this nba draft um one of the guys who we didn't cover yet on our prospect series was james wiseman um very much mm-hmm. uh, maligned in terms of uh the, the opinions the opinions are very polarizing on this kid on, on what he can be and what his ceiling is uh we did hear this week that the warriors were souring on him if they potentially get the number one pick, um, what what is the issue that the scouts are having 
with Wiseman in terms of, you know, projecting where he could be? Is it is it the lack of playing time, you know, evidence, game tape, or is it are they is he being, you know, kind of pigeonholed as the, you know, rim runner, elite shot blocker, but not really that that prototypical four that that we're looking for in today's NBA. What do you, what do you think about Wiseman? Uh, I mean, two things. One, I think it's his skill level and what he can bring to the table and just how replaceable that, that kind of is. Um, and two, I mean, I don't really think the game film helps him that much for this year compared to like what we've had in the past because like if you compare stuff from this year at Memphis um, where – uh, Coach Hardway did a great job kind of keeping him boxed into like that, that pink-ish area, he except for like three game. or four and three throw on jumpers. Um, compare that to Oregon his AAU stuff, it's night two, and day. And um, that this year he was actually playing his role and like sticking to his strengths. And last year he was, you know, making his Chris Ops and you know, every other type of unicorn is uh, on the floor with his <laughs> I mean, in high school, how, how did he shoot it in high school? Uh, I mean, so high school is not something that, like, when you have the big matchups, I was going to really want to pay attention to, but the AAU stuff is kind of what I'm Well, yeah, that's what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. He was at like 52 true shooting mm-hmm. for some 71 Pretty bad. <laughs> Got you. Sorry, the uh, the audio on the highlights were on there. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, average nineteen and ten um, in only three games. Jails, you know. Mm. So I, I guess that could be, you know, where the tentativeness is. Um, Golden State, they said is sh- is shy on him, but they want Denny. Um, Spencer, if somebody had to ask you, what is what is the one thing that Denny does very well? What what would you say that was? Uh, I mean, he's a high IQ player, and I think that's probably his number one skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's smart with rotations. Like it was a like a legitimately good interior defender. Um, like with FIBA, and I mean, he was good one this year too. But he's still only six eight. You know, he's got a small wingspan, standing reach, and he's kind of not thin thin, but he's not particularly big. Um. But like he knows where to be on offense. You know, he's good. He's a really good cutter without the ball. I actually posted a video before that was sped up by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, just showing like he's not only someone who knows where to cut, but, you know, if he has a mismatch, instead of cutting behind, he'll cut in front and seal him. Um, you know, he'll, he'll mm. finish plays through the second he sees the defender, turn his back to him, he's cutting. Um, but it's a high IQ. And then, you know, skill-wise, it would probably be his passing. Uh, he's a he's a really good passer you know before the season people are like he's luca passing no mm-hmm. like, nobody is luca maybe Cade is like close mm-hmm. um but he's a really good passer in his own right so now you think because i i just feel like in this draft that the warriors are, are a big wild card just in terms of where they go with this like do they trade if they get the number one pick you know do they trade you don't really see Lamelo and edwards really fitting in um, but I mean, could you really see them taking Denny first or, or would you see them probably trading down to get him at a, at a later position if they're really that low on Wiseman? Um, I mean, I guess it really kind of depends on how the lotto shakes up. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have a team like the Knicks that are sitting at three and the Warriors at one and, you know, say, uh, I don't know, like the Hawks are at two or something mm-hmm. like that, then, you know, I could easily see the Warriors just take Lamelo, 
the Hawks would then take uh, Anthony Edwards and the Knicks would take Denny. And then you do the same thing that the Hawks did with Dallas a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think they end up with either Denny or Okungwu, um, but I don't expect either, either of those guys to go first overall. Agree. Okay. That, that seems like a high position for those guys. JL, let's get with your, uh, uh, your, your question. Um, I know people were talking about Wiseman, and some people were, were kind of enamored with his uh, potential. Uh, but um, being that the Knicks have already have Mitchell Robertson here, do you feel like it's worth taking Wiseman at whatever spot we get him at, considering we have Mitchell Robertson here? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I think – like Wiseman's frame is definitely better. So I think in terms of yeah. going up, going up against like the Joel Embiid and, you know, the Jokic's and Nurkic, like all the guys who can actually beat up Mitch on the inside, he'd do a better job. But, um, you know, in terms of like switching, Mitch is switchable. Um, Wiseman is not like, I do not want him on an Island against guards. He's heavy footed. He's got slow hips. Um, you know, like they're slow to, uh, flip. Um, and then like awareness, like Mitch's awareness around the rim, it's not great, but it's gotten a lot better, I think, from the first year to the second year. And Wiseman's, though it did get better from AAU to college, the speed uptick is not as great as it is from college to the NBA. So I expect there to be a bigger learning curve. Um, and I mean, they're both mainly rim running centers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Wiseman does seem like he does have a little bit better touch around the rim, though. What, what would you say about that? Just in terms of, you know, if you could dump it down to him and let him get his own shot as compared to what Mitch has been able to show off so far. So I agree, but at the same time, do, like, is that something you'd want to do? So, like, yeah. are you really going to throw the ball down to the paint to someone unless if he's, like, an actually efficient post-up scorer? And, like, Wiseman's a bit mechanical. I think he's, he's pretty strong. I think his touch is okay, but, like, he's not, you know – no, I, the ringer put out the reports and they say he's the next, next David, David Robinson. Robinson. I was blown yeah. away by that, man. You know, <laughs> like, Ring, ringer likes to do that outlandish um, type of stuff, but I, w- I was blown away by that comparison. Clickbait. Yeah. 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 Pure clickbait. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, I just don't really think there's that much uptick, I guess, from yeah. Wiseman to Mitch. And maybe Wiseman's a bit more potential because I probably trust his shooting longer term than I do with. Um, Mitch, but like the okay. defensive uh, swap, I guess, yeah. like, you know, what you're giving up in defense to get maybe a little bit of extra spacing and some, like not the vertical it. spacing that Mitch provides is awesome. Yeah, yeah no, I wouldn't. No, no not worth it. Um, now, let, okay. let, let's talk about the guards. Obviously, when we're talking about the Knicks, that's the most important position of need right now. Uh, you had mentioned, obviously, in, in a dream scenario of them getting uh, LaMelo with either the, the one, two, or the three pick. How do you rank your guards, let's say, top five right now uh, of this year's crop? How do you rank them on your big board? It's tough. Um, so, my number one player overall is LaMelo. Like, he okay. just... He's my number one. Um, Killian Hayes is my number two. Uh, he was actually my number one back in November. Um, then that just kind of like huh. swapped, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's Lamelo one, Killian two. Uh, Anthony Edwards is three, but it's not something I'm like super enamored with, I guess. Mm. Um, and then four and five. I mean, these guys are kind of bunched together, so I'm just like yeah. four, five, and six. It's really some. 
combination of like Kyra, Cole, and uh, Maxi. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, at least for like the Knicks, like Halliburton, I like a lot. I do, but the Knicks don't need that type of point. Like they don't need Alonzo Ball type of point guard. Um, I think they need some sort of engine. And like Kyra is younger than Cole. He's a good shooter. Like he's a he's a better defender at the point of attack than Cole is. Um, Cole's obviously a little bit stronger. Um, then you know Maxi, I don't trust the passing that much. Mm. But at the same time, it's also like you know the whole Kentucky thing and how they kind of like neuter, I guess, players like playmaking skills if they don't really want him handling the ball. So mm. uh, there's some of that. But yeah, those three guys would probably be the four, five, and six. What what made you what um what made you put um drop Anthony Edwards to three, and and um who do you have number two again for Killian, um, Killian at two Edwards Killian, three. yeah 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 what made you what made Killian leapfrog over um Anthony Edwards in your mind? Um, it's tough. So Killian, like he has, I think the most elite pure skill between the two of them. I think his his passing is is better than anything Anthony Edwards brings to the table. Just like if you're rating everything out of 10, I think he has the highest peak. Um, I think he's a smarter player than Anthony Edwards. I think his effort level, it's not something you really have to question, which then brings me back to another thing that I've actually spoken with a couple NBA people about. Like if you have someone who's such a good athlete um, who shows flashes on defense, do you buy their defense translating? Because like Ben Simmons, horrible defender at LSU. Yeah. Um, Dejounte Murray, horrible defender at Washington. Now All NBA defender. All NBA, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, Anthony Edwards, like he's an unbelievable shot maker. Um, but for the Knicks, I don't know if I really trust the fit that much with RJ. I think talent is talent, so if he falls, you take him. But between like the fit with RJ and then, I mean, we we don't really know who the coach is, so it's kind of hard to say this, but yeah. right. Like, do you, do you really trust the Knicks of like containing anyone's shot selection? Not for what we see this year, for sure. No, no, no. Or in previous years. Um, you know, when, when you speaking of shot, I'm I'm just playing your your breakdown of Anthony Edwards this year. Statistically, they had aligned him to RJ, um, but obviously with RJ's questionable shot shot um, in college and and in the pros, you know the fit with the two of them is sort of questionable, but you would point it out to some things um, with Anthony Edwards mechanics wise that you would really like. And can you um, expand on that a little bit? Um, yeah. I mean, he's got a really high release. So he's like six, five, he gets good bounce. It's not like the Iman jumper where he's kind of jumping out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, just like jumping like four feet up in the air, which, you know, I guess if you can do it, like I can't do that. I would do it as much as I can if I could. <laughs> um, but like he, he gets a controlled, like, it's a controlled release um, in terms of how much pop he gets, just kind of like across all shot mediums. And then the high release, I'm a sucker for guys with high release, like Anthony Edwards, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I mean, Dirk in a pretty high release, like all those guys, I, I love that. And so he's six, five, but you know, you can be six, 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 seven, try and defend a shot when he's shooting from up here, like, Oh, in, excuse, you know, the elbow flare, but like if he's shooting above his head, he's getting so high. He's, he's pretty hard to contest. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think from a talent standpoint, even though the fit is a bit iffy, I think you still, if you're going to go best player available and he's there, you know, 
well, one or two is questionable yeah. between Lamelo and him. But I, I think you're gonna you would have to roll the dice on a JLS and just let the cards play out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And just to be clear too, when you talking about your list, you were talking about the best fits for the Knicks or your or just your top five in general. Those guys are my top six guards. Yeah, but like for the Knicks, like for for another team, um, you know, for. I don't know, say Dallas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's some team that already has that primary initiator in the wing. Yeah. I would move mm-hmm. Halliburton up. I'd probably have Maxi a little bit higher. Um, like I probably wouldn't really ha- have Anthony Davis as an option, except, you know, again, talent is talent, but mm-hmm. um, I'd shuffle it around depending on okay. losses in the team. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. This is another edition of our NBA Draft Prospect Series. Spencer Perlman of the Stepian is here answering questions and breaking down his big board so far. We also just touched on um, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball as well previously. Um, if you guys are new in the chat, leave us a hashtag new. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up button for you boys. And we're also taking calls. The phone lines are up 657-383-1509. If you guys have questions for Spencer, uh, hit us up and, and let us know. First caller up is JJ from Atlanta. You want to talk about Cole Anthony? JJ, how you feeling, man? All right. Um, I just really wanted to um, talk about Cole Anthony. Like, I feel like he really he's like like too much hype, in my opinion. And I feel like he's like going to be the next Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers. You know, well, we like, heard we heard DSJ. Cole Anthony. We heard DSJ. Um, Spencer, you said you had Cole kind of sandwiched between Kira and um, was it Halbert? Maxi, Maxi, Kira, and Maxi. What's your take on Cole, man? Like I said, a lot of the doubters see DSJ in him. They don't like the decision making. Uh, Obviously, the shot didn't Mm -hmm. fall as much as you would have liked it to this year with UNC. Is that a product of the system? Is that a product of the overall lack of talent? What did you like and not like about Cole Anthony in, in his short sample size? I mean, yeah. what I don't like about him, I just don't like that he's a, a small guard. I like, for for me, I like taller guards. Mm-hmm. Like Halliburton, he's like, he's a really good tall guard. And for me, Cole Anthony, like against, um, what was it, against uh, Duke, mm-hmm. he got uh, clamped up by, uh, what's that guy's name, um, yeah, but Trey, Trey Jones is a good defender, yeah, though, bro. Uh, like I, I saw a lot of people, yeah, you know, pointing to that game. I mean, that's a good. That's one of the, the top defenders in the in the country, man. Man, I don't know, man. Nah. Spencer, Spencer, <laughs> Spencer go ahead and wait, Spencer, go ahead and weigh in on this, man. JJ, I'm gonna put you on hold for a second. Go ahead, Spencer. All right. So two things. Um, in comparison, just like him and Halliburton. Um, so. I mean, when I was writing the report in Halliburton, I went through every, like literally every single pick and roll he ran this year, which is like 400 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He has no in-between game whatsoever. So from the three-point line to the rim, you can play him for the pass every single time because he can't pull up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the playoffs, you need that shot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you see Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Lillard, Damian Lillard, like all those guys can hit that in between. All the point guards, those engine-type point guards – Chris Paul shot like 54% from mid-range or something like that this year. Yeah. You need that. Um, Caliburn can't do that. Like he, right. which is why you need someone who can get into the paint. Um, on Cole himself, I think he made the worst possible decision he could have made going to UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh yeah, they you're shot. Not the first, you're, you're you're one of many people that said that, but good. Yeah, um, I forgot what the stat was, but UNC outside of Cole Anthony shooting three shot like twenty nine percent from three. Um, so there was zero spacing. You watch the games when he's attacking the rim. I posted a video a few days ago. He was being met by two guys at least from the opposing team, and then those two guys on UNC's team who those initial two guys were guarding that was worded very poorly i'm sorry mm. um basically he was attacking a very cramped paint so he finished you know 40 39 percent, whatever it was at the rim which is atrocious mm -hmm. because he was going up against multiple defenders and then the other side of that argument like you know the flip side would be also he's missing passing lines um but then you go yeah. back to the lack of spacing when you're sinking you know eight ten feet off of the shooters because you yeah. don't have to guard them what passing lines really are there like do, like they're harder to find. So that's, that's where, you know, before I was talking with Wiseman, how you have to go back to the stuff from last year in AU and, you know, high school and whatnot, although you know, less of a, less of high school, Cole is not a great passer. Like he's not threading the needle like Halliburton. Halliburton's got him there like in spades, but Cole's not as bad of a passer as he showed this year. Hmm. He is not a bad finisher. So my biggest argument for his finishing is you don't go from being a really good finisher to being a really bad one unless something happened. And that something that happened this year was the lack of space. Right. Um, he's too strong. He's too athletic going off of two feet. Like he can take contact in the paint. And I mean, when you're going up against four guys, it doesn't really matter. So in the NBA with uh, maybe not with the Knicks because the Knicks currently lack spacing, but mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> with, with like the wider court on most teams with spacing, he'll have easier passing lanes to hit. He won't be going up against two or three guys in the paint. It'll be maybe one help defender, and that's kind of it. Um, and then the shooting, like, he's a really good shooter, not only off the bounce, but catch and shoot. He's also a movement shooter. Like, people talk about Nico Mannion being a great movement shooter, which he is. Yeah. Cole's really good in his own right. So, I mean, if you want someone who can play on and off ball, um, who, who's finishing should get better better whose passing should get better with a bigger you know with with more spacing then you go with Cole if you already have that guy who can start the offense get into the paint and do all that stuff I, I'd probably I mean honestly even then I'd probably prefer Cole a little bit because he can shoot off movement whereas Halliburton is a pure like, catch and shoot. I mean he's a stationary catch and shoot guy that's kind of it yeah um but there's like an argument to be made there uh, just for the Knicks I'd prefer someone who's downhill um like I said before, seeing some friends, some of his game in terms of style reminds me a little bit of Damian Lillard, not mm -hmm. in terms of he will reach that level, but the way they play. Um, I think that's, I think it's a little bit similar. And then kind of like worst case scenario, you have some, a spark plug off the bench who can be a spot starter. Um, I mean, I, I still like Cole. I think, I don't think it's fair to judge him entirely in UNC just because of the circumstances he kind of went in with. And that's my spiel. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I, I feel like, he, you know, a lot of these top prospects kind of have that issue, right? With Cole, he had kind of yeah. had a shortened season with his injury. Uh, UNC not being that good and no March Madness. Wiseman, same way. You had LaMelo, his uh, season was cut back by injury. Um, and obviously with this whole COVID-19, a lot of the international prospects, their seasons were cut short. Uh, NCAA season was cut short. So this is a very, very interesting 
um, you know, pool. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how they going forward, how they prioritize, you know, these individual workouts or these team workouts for these kids, whether or not they hold host a scouting combine and stuff like that to, to really, you know, make sure that guys get a full evaluation on them. Yeah, man. And I don't know, man, like to me, I know he seems like he played better off ball, but I can't fathom having a six, three guy play off ball on the Knicks. Like if we're truly trying to have that positionless thing, I want somebody six. I mean, I, I want somebody who's going to be six three and the guard be a little bit taller with that. And if you are six three, I don't want you playing off ball more. I want you to play lead guard more than anything. So yeah. it's not like it's not that you want him playing off ball. It's it's the versatility. It's the option of like if you want RJ handling a little bit more, yeah. then you're comfortable mm-hmm. playing him off. Like you can't do that really with Halliburton because you can just kind of like he'll go to the corner, he'll go to the above the break, you know, left right side of the range, just kind of standing there. Like Cole, you have to track around the court. Um, yeah, and like you know, I, I don't really want to say this, but like if the Knicks get if the Knicks have our like the Knicks obviously have RJ if they get Cole this year, and then if next year if they somehow wind up with Kate uh, with Kate, you have your guy who can create for others in Kate, you have another guy who can create in the pick and roll a bit in RJ, you have Cole who can run off screens, like those guys, sure, like they lack some athleticism i guess because cole's burst isn't great and rj he's more of a power athlete uh you do have guys who can both play on off ball who kind of fit in a weird way um mm. so like when i say like you can play him off ball it's not like you, you you're starting him a shooting guard you're still starting him at point guard or you know whatever you want to call it lead right. guard um but it's about the lineups that you can run with him where you can you can play him off ball next to another primary ball that's the stuff that i like Interesting, okay. interesting, man. Um, next guy up, we got Tucson from Pennsylvania. Tucson, how you feeling, man? I'm good, man. How y'all fellas doing? Good, man. What's your question? Um, so the volume is a little bit low. Oh. I can't really hear y'all on my end. My so four, if you don't okay. mind, I'll just say my two questions real quick, and then I'll hang up so I can listen to y'all. Okay. Like on on the video, if that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, bro. All right, so. Pretty much, I just wanted to ask, in, in y'all opinion, how does the college level of basketball really compare to the um, the D League or the G League? Because I was wondering, would it be too crazy to just suggest that the Knicks just take the best talent available, with at least with the first pick they have, and maybe go for fit with the second one? Right, because there's not that much talent on the team. And then maybe look at somebody like Peters from the G League who's been performing well, uh, and they already have him. And then the second question I had was, what really is the value of having these, uh, like, drafting stash players overseas? Mm -hmm. I see the Knicks got a couple guards overseas that may never even make it to the league. Is that, like, a waste of a pick in y'all opinion? And uh, yeah. that's it. Uh, I'm going to hang up and then see what y'all respond. Okay. All right. All right. Um, pre- appreciate the call, Tucson, man. Um, I mean, to me, they should definitely be going best play available. I mean, we, we don't have enough talent on this team to just, you know, be choosy in terms of need. Yes, we need a point card, but we need shooting. You know, we need defense. We need a backup big. We need a, a, a floor spacing four. We You know, we need a three, three and D wing, a solid one. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of needs that, that that the Knicks have. To me, you go best player available. 
Um, and, and and then, you know, with your later picks, I, I would say for need. What do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, I guess the same thing. I guess best player available, but I mean, what I'm hearing from this draft is people are marginally better and not like blowing away um, miles and miles better than the next person. So mm-hmm. it kind of depends on, you know, how much better than you are. Like if, if, it's, if, if number three is marginally better than number four, but my need is uh, shooting, then I might go for need in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Spencer, how about you? Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if it's like, so LaMelo, he is my number one player. Like I will, I think he's that good. I think he has the potential to be that good. Um, some of the draft models that are actually coming out now uh, actually align with that, which makes me pretty happy because they're from guys who I respect. Um, so like, you know, I, I tend to go, if, if you have the number one pick, I think it's pretty easy to go best player available. But when you have, in, like you know, as JL was just saying, it's like third, fourth pick. Um, if the divide between the two is kind of small and if one of them does the thing that you need from your team a little bit more, if he does a little bit better, mm-hmm. I'm perfectly fine taking him. Um, and then, you know, with, with the later picks, I think it's, it's, unless if you see someone who's like, who has really nice flashes, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Pokovesky, uh, who I don't think should fall under any circumstance to 28. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless if it's someone like him, I'm always just going for, you know, someone who you kind of want. Um, it, it's usually for like the more NBA ready player, uh, the the guy who's got it. maybe ceiling's a little bit lower, but the floor yeah. is ready, high. ready to roll. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I guess on the uh, draft and stash, I know Yusuf Senon or whatever. Like yeah. He, he's one of those guys. I don't think he's an NBA player. Period. Like I, I don't. Mm. Um. But uh, you know, there's this guy playing overseas now, Carlos Ellison, who, uh, if he were, so he just signed a five-year contract with Real Madrid, and they loaned him to another team. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so he's probably not going to come over for at least a few years, but you know, if the Knicks, you know, with their 30, whatever, 32nd pick, I think they're the Hornets pick or 30, you know, 38, six, whatever it is. They got 27 yeah. and 38 right now. All right. Yeah. I was backwards. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent. Okay. Taking him. Like he's another one of those guys who's like, he might not come over, but I think the mm-hmm. risk is well worth it because he's really, really talented. Um, and then, sorry, circling back to the Lamar Peters question, mm-hmm. I loved him at Mississippi State. I made you know, like a video on him. Um, I think he's good. Uh, I don't know if he's a starting level point guard, but I do think he will end up in like one team's rotation. And if it's with the Knicks, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, his finishing actually improved. I was looking at this two weeks ago. Um, he was a pretty poor finisher in college, and there's like a 10% or so jump, which is like crazy and mm, nice you know, going back to crawl a little bit more cramp lanes have a little bit more space you know it can improvements improve. seeing seeing those mm. improvements i like peters man i, I really wish you yeah. could get an opportunity i, I see the backcourt is being way too crowded right now especially if they're going to go into the draft and get another kid in here um i think they will keep frank i think they'll try to trade dsj but you'll still have rj I, I think they'll keep Peyton. I don't know what you guys think, but I think they'll keep Peyton as the vet. 
So I just think the the, the backcourt is going to be so crowded, man. I'm not sure if Peters gets a shot here, but um, yeah, like like you said, uh, Spencer, he's definitely improved since he got to the G League. He gave a lot of credit to Lisa Willis and the G League coaches for um, helping him work on his shooting. Handles obviously is through the roof. Finished a lot better. Assist numbers went up. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, man. I, I would love to see Peters get an opportunity. I just don't. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. Um, speaking of uh, draft and stash, Alexei Pokusevsky. I've been yeah. seeing in in a lot of mock drafts. A, a lot of guys have him in the lottery, or maybe just a little bit outside. He played for the Olympiacos minor league team. Um, in terms of how you evaluate his film, I'm, I'm playing the film breakdown that you did on him, Spencer, um, most of it on, on his pick and roll abilities. How much do you factor in where he played when you're evaluating him? You know, because he played Um, on, on, on that team. Giannis played in the second division in Greece also. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I never knew like, it. As a, yeah, as a fan watching Poku in Milwaukee or like in Denver with him and Jokic, that'd be a lot of fun. But yeah. um, so I don't really, I guess, look for, you know, obviously you want someone who's going to dominate the lower levels, um, be it on offense or defense, because, you know, anytime you can clearly show that you're a level ahead of everyone else, that's awesome. Yeah. But mm. with him, what makes him kind of so intriguing is, like it's the skill and the fluidity and just like, you know, he's six eleven, but the way he moves, it's like he's six five. Like mm. he runs around screens like he's, you know, he's a shooting guard and he's a power forward. Mm. Um it's pretty cool. Um, but like with him, it's just kinda like it's it's obviously a lot of projection, which is why there's a lot of risk there. Yeah. Um, but like when you watch the film, you see the skill, like you see you know, you see the handle, you see him running around screens, catch and shoot. You see he's running the pick and roll as a 6'11 guy. Yeah, he's fluid. And he he's can also play out there, man. Very, yeah. Um, yeah. He can play, like, as the big in the – he can play pick and pop big, whatever. Um, he's, he's just – like, he's a really, really cool prospect. And if I'd bought his frame a little bit more, I'd probably have him, you know, in that three to nine range maybe. Yeah. but. Instead, he's in like that 10, 11. He's, he's like around 10, 11. Uh, Vassell's right next to him. Mm. Uh, a couple other players, but I love his game. I think he's I think he's very, very good. I think you, he's going to be very good. You see him as a draft and stash, you know, while, while he bulks up and continues to kind of work on his game? Or maybe it depends on the team, team need. Uh, I mean, if there's... If you can bring them over, then I absolutely would. Like, I don't really think there's a need, I guess, to kind of keep guys overseas because with the way NBA teams and G League teams are yeah. so intertwined now, you can mm. have them on your NBA team. Then you could just have them, you know, what the Knicks should have done with Knox this season. They should have sent him down yeah, and said, yeah. hey, here's yes. 35, 30 minutes a game. Go do your thing. Um, like, I'd prefer to have him stateside. Um yeah, I prefer to say side. And at least he, at least he's in your system if he comes to the G League. Yeah, for the teams that do have the the one to one affiliate. So, um, I, I can I can certainly see that. Um, JL, so you have anything before we go to the phones? Um, no, nah, not necessarily. I mean, I, I it's off topic anyway. My my questions because I know everybody talked about Denny, but I always I'm OB's on my radar too. So I'm trying to figure out like where do you 
fit Obi into this draft? Do you see him as like a top five, six pick or? Yeah, where does Obi fit on your big board, uh, Spencer? Yeah, um, I'd probably, I mean, I have him a little bit lower. Uh, he's also kind of around that 10 range just because I like this. Is, I guess this is my line of thinking. So Carl Anthony Towns had one of the greatest offensive seasons of all time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like statistically speaking, just everything like on offense was unbelievable. However, his defense was so bad that it was still pretty difficult for him to make it, uh, an impact in terms of like keeping the team above float uh, when he's in the court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some of that can be mitigated with better defenders, but still. So, Obi, he's not the the Carl Anthony Towns talent on offense. Um, he's just not. I think he's much more in line with John Collins. Um, I think Collins' form is actually a little bit better shooting, so I think that was a safer projection. So I, I do think Obi will shoot. Um, I just think it's probably going to be like two to three threes a game versus you know four or five um, beyond that. And then like he's a he's he's another guy. He's a very good passer. He's an unbelievable pick and roll player. Like crazy, you know, vertical spacing, all that stuff. But the defense really worries me. Um, One of my friends actually tweeted saying that for as good an athlete as he is vertically, he moves like a 70-year-old man with hip issues laterally. (laughs) And Jeez, man. Like, (laughs) I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Um, And on top of that, you have just kind of like the overall effort uh, getting out to shooters is bad. Um, Mm. The awareness on the interior is not very good. He's got a very high center of gravity, which is why, you know, he watch him try to post up guys or yeah he re- he, he's really up. high up even on his post ups he's he's mm-hmm. very awkward looking yeah mm-hmm. um I, I just i'd be a little cautious managing my impact expectations like i'm drafting everything obviously once someone's going to raise the floor and raise the ceiling to potentially championship level obi raises the floor because he can get you points rebounds um stuff like that but i also think his defensive major limitations and major defensive limitations kind of cap your ceiling yeah um, okay so yeah i mean at a certain level you take him because he's the best talent but he's also 22 which is older than someone like killian tilly who's you know a senior and that still is mind-boggling to me yeah now now with killian tilly he's a guy that could be slotted um, around that third, that twenty-eight to thirty-eight range. Um, what did you see in him? I, I was reading briefly one of your scouting reports, and he said he had some injury issues. Um, at Gonzaga, uh, from strengths-wise, what what could he bring to a team? Uh, similar, I guess, to what kind of what Jonte Porter does. Um, who I loved last year. Um, he's a really good passer. He's an unbelievable shooter. Uh, he's got a really soft touch in the paint. He's actually a better shooter than John T is and he doesn't have the full passing, but it's that type of like offensive hub, um, mm-hmm. from a big, um, he's a smart defender. Mm-hmm. He's actually, he actually covers ground pretty well. Um, like on defense, he's not super, super quick, but he's pretty quick. Like, you know, just looking at him, you kind of see, he's like, he's not super like ripped, you know, he doesn't kind of look athletic and then you see him move his feet and you're like, Oh, you know, it's kind of impressive. Um, uh, but I mean, the injury issues worry me a lot and 
his lack of vertical pop in the paint uh, that worries me. Um, Yeah, like you know, I can get away with the lack of vertical pop and the reach. I don't think Kelly Olynyk actually has a pretty high pop. Like I don't think he jumps very high, and I don't think his reach is very high. But Mm. Kelly's much better passer. And I think actually my new thing that I'm kind of like hone in on is that big shooting. The most important place that they should be shooting from is not the corners. It's above the break threes because it provides a lot more space. Um, Mm. He shot like. 43% 43% or something like that over like 150 attempts the last two years from above the break threes, okay. which is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I just, and I worry about the, uh, the injuries, I guess, more than anything else. It's Killian Tilly right now on um, tank tankathon. They have him around 41 at the Spurs jail. So maybe, maybe that's a, uh, yeah. you know, somebody that potentially we could be looking at with the, uh, with, with the second round pick. Um, so to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Another episode of yep. our NBA draft series, special guest Spencer Perlman of the Stepian is here with us. Had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we got him out of the matrix JLs. He was stuck for a second, man. We got him mm-hmm. back in yeah, action. Back. And um, with that being said, let's go to the phones. Our guy Will from LI is up next. Mm-hmm. Will, Will, how you doing, man? Go ahead with your question. Hey, what's going on, CT? What's good, bro? How you guys doing? I hope you guys being safe mm-hmm. and everything like that. Appreciate it. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, same thing. All right, no problem. My bad. I'm getting food right now. Take care. Uh, <laughs> I <ain't> no doubt. <laughs> uh, Will's uh, always yeah, no, doing was, something, uh, man. Uh, he's always doing yeah, something. Yeah, he's always doing it. Yeah, why do you have such a life, man? Will's always, uh, always in the middle yeah. of something when he calls in. Man. He's never just watching the show. My yeah, bad. sorry <laughs> for <laughs> disturbing you, Will, but please, can you give us your question? Oh, man. No, you guys are good. You guys are good. You guys are giving us confidence. I appreciate it. So, same thing, like, um, what the previous call said is low. So I'm going to give off my two points and then I'm going to just uh, leave you guys to it. Um, uh, so basically, this is definitely for Spencer. I'm very happy that you're on the show. Um, just like you, my guy is with Mellow Ball. I have been awakened um, and I see, uh, I've been in the church of Lamelo and I'm all for it. Um, but can you really talk about his deficiencies in terms of his shot? Right. The mechanics about it. Um, and his defense, and just while it, while we had sample size, we don't really know how it's going to translate to the NBA. And then, uh, and then, lastly, can you just talk about his overall feeling, his ultimate? Okay, you see him being after. All right. you know, three, four years. All right, I'm, I'm going to let Will go because his call was kind of dropping out. But basically, he wants you to talk about um, his deficiencies. What do you think about, you know, his shot wasn't that good. Um, shot about close to 20%, 30% uh, from three. Defense and ceiling. What, what do you think about that? Uh, those three areas for Lamelo. All right. Um, so yeah, the shot definitely needs work. Um, like I, I can't spin that if I tried. And I went to law school, and that's kind of what I'm <laughs> taught to tough. do. That's tough. Um, but if there's one kind of area that I I have hope for the shot, it's he has good touch in the paint. Uh, he has good touch in his runner, and he shot 11 of 28 or 11 of 29 um on catch and shoot threes which obviously is not particularly good but it's also it's like what 38 ish percent 36 percent um 
that's nowhere near as bad as you know whatever's off the dribble stuff was this year, which was was definitely low. Um, so yeah, I mean the shot needs work. I think also a lot of the shot, the percentages I think were brought down by again his shot selection. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know I, I get on Anthony Edwards for it because like you know he took bad shots, although. I think the types of shots were kind of different. Whereas Lamelo, he would just kind of take, you know, weird shots. Kind of, I mean, just like a blanket statement. He, his shot selection kind of needs work. Anthony Edwards would take like step back threes, um, step back twos, you know, sidesteps, all that stuff with like 18 seconds left in the shot clock. Um, I think that probably bothered me a little bit more. Um, but yeah. Sorry, mm. uh, Lamelo shot. It, it, it needs work, um, yeah. but I buy the touch. I buy the catch and shoot numbers. Um, the the defense. So, and I read over my report a few years a few years ago, a few weeks ago, after watching a little bit more of him. Um, I'm actually a little bit higher, I think, now than I was before in his defense. My biggest issue with his defense is still the fact that he would stay with his man when he was 30 feet away from him, like that. It's just kind of stupid. Um, but in the plus side, it's also an easy fix. You know, if you're the coach, you tell him stop doing that. And in theory, he should stop doing that. Um, but the flashes that he had kind of like rotating both along the perimeter, like he did pretty well rotating along the perimeter. You know, his defensive shot chart was bad, but you watch the shots, his hand is like right in the guy's face and he still hits a three. So, you know, that's not on him. Um, a good rotation is a good rotation, whether or not the shot is made. Um, And then going underneath, I think his lack of strength, I think that limits him. I think he has a weird frame. Um, I don't really think he'll get that much stronger. Like I see him, he'll rotate down instead of actually standing there with his hand straight up. He'll swipe and just kind of get out of the way because he didn't want to hit. So seeing him rotate and be in the right place at the right time, that's good. Footwork still needs a little bit of work. Um, In terms of uh, ceiling, I mean, honestly, I – I don't have a player for that. I don't have comparison. I hate comparisons kind of period, except, you know, comparing styles, but um, like in time, I think he'll be, I think he should work on and off ball. I think his passing is the type of passing, like his passing is literally Luca level. Like if yeah. not, you know, elite. a little bit it's, higher. It's elite. Yeah. Like it's, if, if there's one skill out of any player in this entire draft that I'm banking on, it is, Lamelo's passing translating. Um, he sees passes that like uh, like nobody could like literally nobody could see. You could pause it. You could do the 360 view on the video. You're still not going to find out where he's going with it. Mm. Um, so I think just that ability to get everybody involved and hit his teammates with the ball at the right time, the right spot, an accurate pass. I think that is a lot of value. Um, so I mean, stats like. What true shooting for, I think, a wing or point guards around like 55 ish percent. Um, his true shooting will probably be somewhere around 54, 55 percent, I think, in time, you know, maybe 53. So he's not going to be particularly efficient, but the passes and his ability to just kind of create plays for others, I think his ability to read the passing lanes is good. Um, I, I think he's going to be a very high impact player. Um, and again, you know, the models kind of project that and the fact that he was the only guy in the team with a positive net rating uh, once Aaron Brooks went down and LaMelo was given the full um, the full uh, handle of the offense. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of shows 
you know, just how impressive the player he is. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, the shooting is definitely concerned, especially from a Knicks standpoint, if you're going to pair him with RJ, but at least the runner's there. You know, the, the floater's yeah. definitely there. He's not totally inept on the offensive end. As you said, I think with better decision-making in, in terms of his shot selection, I think that should certainly improve. You know, you compare him to like a Peyton who's scared to shoot a three-footer, you know, at the rim. I, I think, you know, we, we should be good in good hands in terms of LaMelo. So if all things considered, let's let's say the Knicks... Let's say the Knicks did get the number one pick. You know, mir- miracles happen, and they they get the number one pick. Would you go Lamelo or would you go Edwards? Oh, I'm picking Lamelo, and I'm like, well, it might be you know a draft over the internet, but I'm pressing send as quickly as possible, or you know, yeah, whatever. Like Lamelo, not even the question. That's your guy. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. All right. I have I have a question from Ted Green. I'm trying to decipher it. But shout out to Ted. He says he watches uh, Heavy Pot, and he wants he wants that shout out so he can hear hear his name at work when he releases the show tomorrow. Shout out to you, Ted Green. <laughs> what up, Ted? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think he has a few players in mind he wants to discuss. Uh, if Knicks get around eight to ten, would we consider drafting Toppin or Lewis? I have already have a feeling what you want to say. And also, will. Would you even consider drafting Killian or Jalen Smith? So Toppin uh, or Lewis, if if we are if we're, I don't think we're gonna get ten. Ten is very the probabilities of getting ten are very low. I think the probabilities right. are much higher right now for seven eight. Six, yeah, seven eight. Seven and eight. We got fifty percent chance there. Yeah, I think he's trying to cover his, cover the bases. He's yeah. trying to cover the cover the spread. Like, all right, so let's say worst two- let's say worst case scenario, it's you, you, all right. Say seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, would you go Toppin or would you go Lewis based on the what you've seen so far? Yeah, I'd go Cairo. I'd go Cairo Lewis. Yeah, uh, do you want me to like explain yeah, why? What do, yeah, what do you like about yeah, Lewis? Yeah, I know yeah. some people in the chat wanted wanted uh, your, your, your thoughts yeah. on Cairo Lewis. Yeah, I can't have the chat open on the YouTube. Otherwise, my internet's going to die. I tried doing that. That's what oh, happened. that's what happened the last oh, okay. time. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, All good. Yeah, I mean, uh, so as I was saying before, Kyra, like he's a good point of attack defender. I think he uses his length well. Um, he's a good shooter. Uh, he's in, like he's a menace in transition. I think his passing, he doesn't have great vision. Like he's nowhere near, you know, LaMelo or anything like that, but or Killian. Um I think when you have his kind of speed and ability to just collapse the defense, I don't think you have to have that elite vision. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like we see it with Westbrook. Westbrook, you know, he's not his his vision. I still don't think is good, but he's able to get everybody the ball when he's not you know shooting twenty five times because he can just get into the paint at will and drive and kick um, to either side. You know, drop off to a big whatever. Um, Kyra can do that, but he can make live action passes with either hand, um, which is something that I think mm. LaMelo is the only other person in this draft. You can say that. Um, Kelly can always do it with his left hand. Um, you know, Luca could do it. So it's a rare, rare skill to have. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's thin, but I don't think he plays that small. Um, you know, he, he's easy to push around, but he's not just kind of going to get back down and, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of him. And also, like, I, I trust his trainer or one of his trainers. Mm. Um, 
Corey, I think on Twitter, he's like sweatsuit champ. Okay. Uh, yeah. He used to play in the NBA. Super nice guy, but um, I trust him. Like I, he's done a good job with Kyra and yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Only thing is, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like he'll he'll be there for the Knicks unless you get into a trade down scenario yeah. where they get into the middle of the lottery or, you know, they move up from 27, you know, into the 20 range, you know. 16, I think Kyra's going to go. Yeah. I, so back two months ago, I was talking with someone not with a team, um, just someone who I trust and. Apparently, his draft range around then was 8 to 20 or so. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if you want him, mid-lotto, late, oh, I guess late-lotto is probably you know around where he's going to fall. And he's probably hurt the most maybe by the combine because he's someone who would absolutely kill it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you think he's going to fall to 20, I guess there's always an outside chance. You know, you never really know with GMs drafting who – they're going to like and i think some seniors um will probably rise up the board because they have more film on them but you know he has two years of backbone for him too hmm. yo i think my stream went down i'm not sure uh yeah we did for a second we're, we're back up and running now jails so we, okay, so we cool. should be good yeah little little technical difficulties but uh it's all good we sh- should be back live and and rolling um so that was spencer's take on kyra lewis um, let's go to a couple of callers. Let's, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Ernesto in Miami. Ernesto, how you feeling, man? Hey, what's up, CP? How you doing? Good, bro. Hope, hope everything is well down here, man. How's everything? Everything's good, man. Just staying in quarantine, just like everybody else for the most part. You know? Yeah, man. Hang, hang in there, bro. Work, so. Yeah, man. So, uh, first of all, I want to say what's up to uh, the chat also and to Jay Ellis and uh, and Spencer. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So I got a I got a question here for uh, for Spencer um, regarding with yeah. with, uh, with the pick that we have with the Charlotte's pick at twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I got three players and I'm gonna name them in the particular order order that I would personally select. And uh, and I want I want your opinion on what you think of those selections. First, I have Jay Scrub. He's a Juku player, shooting guard, and um, I would like him with the 27th pick. Or Tyler Bay or Leandro Bolmaro. Those three players I have right around there. So I would select them in that order. Um, I just want your opinion on what you think of those guys and, mm-hmm. and, and who would you select. With the with the twenty seventh pick, twenty seven. Well, so who you have on your board. For the so next, Spencer, so Jay Scrub, um, Tyler Bay out of Colorado, and and Leandro Balnero, who played for I believe it was FC Real Barcelona, Madrid. right? Or he Real Madrid, Barcelona. Barcelona. Okay. Barcelona. Oh, he plays Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Um, so bad. so Spencer, <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts? Um. All right. So I haven't seen that much of Balmaro. Um. I. I like, I know he's a really good pick-and-roll ball handler. He plays a good pace. Uh, he can shoot off the bounce a little bit. Um, I don't really know how much I kind of, like, trust his handle in tight spaces. Um, he's crafty, but uh, the handle just kind of seems to get loose when he's under a little bit of pressure. Um, but, like, he's skilled, and I, I think the shot's going to come. I think the shot kind of is there. He just has to 
fix some weird there's like a weird thing with his foot where he kind of like flares it out or one goes in front of the other a little bit um yeah so i mean i guess my personal so yeah my order would be um i'd roll the dice on bomaro uh just kind of based on what i've seen and i think talent wise he's probably the most talented out of all of them i'd have tyler bay second and then jay scrub honestly i wouldn't really have in consideration at 27 hmm. um so i guess working from there like scrub is a great athlete like can't deny that like unbelievable athlete he's got a great first step uh he's got a good handle in terms of the moves he can make but at the same time it's loose so you know one play he can you know cross cross you know behind the back everything attack the rim um next play he'll try like you know hesitation the guy just kind of pokes the ball away and he's kind of screwed um mm. i think the shot's actually pretty good uh i think 34 percent from three i think this year i did the scattering report him a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um a lot of it was off the bounce. He can actually shoot off movement a little bit, um, but it's not consistent yet. But I, I think it will come. Um, he's a great finisher. I just the defense is kind of bad uh, all around. Um, the effort, the footwork, and you know he's another one of those guys who he's such a good athlete. So, so are you going to roll the dice on him improving? And you know maybe he won't reach the Shanti Murray level or Ben Simmons. Um, or are you going to just kind of like stay safe and, you know, stay away from him? Um, and his passing is not particularly good. Uh, he's a pure read and react passer, but I don't think he kind of processes what happens on the court pretty quickly, which is why his shot selection is also bad. Um, you know, there's a video I put out a couple weeks ago of just straight up bad shots and it was two minutes, 20 seconds, whatever the Twitter limit was. And there were plenty more, mm. but mm. like the first three of them, I think, he was taking contested mid-range jump shots. He had, or like, you know, he'd drive the lane and the entire weak side of the court was wide open. Uh, he just missed it. Um, Bay, I like a lot. Like, I, I really like Bay, actually. Um, and between, like, if someone else besides Bomar were there, they would probably be my first choice between, I guess, whoever it would be. Well, that's context dependent. But um, I like the defense a lot. Uh, he's a smart player. He actually played a lot of the four and the five this year. And I think he's someone who's probably more of a three, four, um, mm. again, kind of, you know, matchup dependent and whatnot. But, um, when he's defending bigger players, he's obviously thinner than them. He does a really good job of just kind of like sneaking around the back and poking it free. Um, does a nice job rotating from the weak side. Um, you know, people are going to say he's not a good shooter. Uh, I mean, I guess if you look at the sample size, he's not. But then you see some of the threes that he's taking, and Colorado ran a baseline out of bounds play to actually get him catch and shoot threes on the move. So they were playing him off of motion, and he hit some of them. Mm. Um, And he's a really good free throw shooter. The form is good. So, you know, I've seen some people say he's Andre Roberson. Um, I don't think he's anything (laughs) close to him. Oh, boy. Roberson. Maybe maybe in looks. (laughs) That's bad. Yeah, I mean – Bay shot is like it's gonna come um mm. i don't know why he has a shot i think a lot of it's just kind of like colorado saying you're such a good paint player mm. we need to win games just do that um but like i like bay i think he's going to be a pretty easy plug and play guy but yeah, i mean it's bay and bomaro pretty close um and then scrub just 
not really, I guess, in the conversation. <laughs> okay, okay. And we're, we're talking to uh, Spencer Perlman of the Steppy in another edition of our NBA Draft Scouting Series. Hit that thumbs mm-hmm. up button for your boys. Salute to everybody in the chat, uh, wherever you guys are quarantining. Hope you guys are being safe uh, as well as your families. Um, Spencer, speaking of shooting, speaking of Bay, who would you rank as, you know, you, let's say your, your top five shooters in, in the draft? Obviously, um, Sadiq Bey um, being up there. Uh, we do know the kid from Vanderbilt is, is up there as well. You, you're your alma mater. I know you're, you're pretty high on him. Um, what, yeah. what do you think? Shooters in the draft? Because we need shooting, man. We need shooting in the worst yeah, man, way. Yeah, we need so, shooting bad. Uh, give us some names in that regard. All right. Um, all right. So, yeah. Uh, Neesmith. I think Neesmith and uh, Desmond Bain are the two kind of like pure class shooters. Oh, those two guys and Isaiah Joe. I think those three are the best shooters in the draft. Um, Joe has more in terms of off the bounce game than either of the other two guys uh, in terms of space creation. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a really good step back, you know, similar to Anthony Edwards. He can pretty much make, take all the shots and make a whole bunch of them. Um, be it from three mid range, whatever. Um and I think the shooting numbers this year are kind of low for him. Um, but he also shot like 38% over something like 500 attempts over the last two years. Like he took 10 threes a game this year. Like he knows his role in the NBA is going to be three and D. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can do that. And he's also a pretty good passer, a uh, pretty good team defender. But yeah, the shooting, I buy the shot 100%. I think he's a good shooter. Neesmith, um, another really good shooter, Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse, who actually wanted the Knicks to hire as a coach a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a really good job just kind of improving him and getting him good looks. So the plays, you know, they would run like uh, elevator plays to get him, you know, going across to the corners, uh, above the break, everything. Um, he doesn't have the quickest release and doesn't have the quickest set in the lower body, but he's a really, really, really good shooter. Like you don't shoot whatever, 53% from three. Um, on what hundred and something attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, he 14 games ever he played. Um, but he had like crazy, crazy shots. 50% um, really crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not like it was, you know, 20 attempts. It was, I think eight attempts a game. Um, so it was pretty good volume. Um, and then Desmond Bain, um, he's actually another guy, you know, people haven't really spoken about him as a shooter mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm going through, the clips uh i'm going through i mean so full disclosure i'm working with his agent um that's not why he's here you look at the stats he shot 44 percent or 42 percent from college three this year he shot mm-hmm. uh 40 43 percent i think on 160 attempts from nba range this year um he's shooting off screens uh he's got you know, kind of an unorthodox shot but mm-hmm. the ball just it like rips the net and it goes in. Um, he can shoot off the balance. He can shoot off screens. Um, so yeah, I guess those guys are probably my three best just because they're all guys who can shoot off movement. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, when you want shooters, you don't want stationary guys. Um, I think, I mean, Bay's obviously a very good shooter. Um, I actually need to dig into him a little bit more. Uh, Jordan Nwara. I think he's a very good shooter. Mm-hmm. I also think he pretty much does kind of nothing else. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of an issue. And, um, crap, there was one more guy I was going to say. Oh, uh, what's his name? Emmanuel Quickly. Was it Quickly? 
Quickly, yeah, quickly from Kentucky. Yeah, I yeah. think he's one of the best shooters in the draft too. Shot about, um, I think he shot about fifty some percent from three, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. If he if he were two inches taller, he'd be like you know, probably around twenty or so on many boards. Yeah. Um, um, where do you see some of these guys like a quickly and a Bane? Are these more second round number 38 targets or where do you see them kind of slotting in? I mean, speaking on behalf of, you know, a lot of people, I guess on draft Twitter, mm-hmm. um, you know, myself, Jackson, Frank, uh, Zach Milner, like we have Bane around like in that late teens, early twenties, because mm-hmm. like, you know, he has the shooting, he has the defense, he has the passing. Um, he's just six, six and he has, you know, a six, four and a quarter wingspan. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, a problem, but he's also right. built like, you know, a brick house, I guess. I don't know if I can curse, mm-hmm. um, but he, he's unbelievably strong. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly is probably more of a second round guy. Um, in fact, I'd be shocked. I guess if he went before, you know, 30, 34, maybe mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Um, Neesmith is probably somewhere in the, I don't know, probably teens or so. Yeah, I'm um, seeing a, l- a little bit, um, maybe a little outside lottery or, or around that, yeah. you know, 12 yeah. to 16 range. Yeah, I mean, okay. he's got the fact he's a movement shooter and he's still a sophomore, whereas Bain is a senior. Um, Isaiah Joe, he honestly, he should have been a lottery pick this year. Um, mm. The shooting numbers just kind of pushed him down heavily. Um so I think if he ends up going around 30, that's going to be a massive steal. Um, mm. You know, anything lower than you know, 20 or so, it's probably a massive steal. Mm. Uh, Sadiq Bay, he probably also in that late teen-ish range, you know, 16-ish mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, shooting's at a premium. So, like, and I guess any of these guys can kind of go before where you expect them to. But I think the cluster will probably be in the – you know, late teens to early thirties. Okay. How about, um, how about Jalen Smith? Yeah. What do you think about, what's Um, your thoughts on Jalen Smith? Yeah. Um, he's a good rim protector. He actually plays physically, Mm -hmm. um, which is cool because, you know, he's thin and his nickname is sticks. Um, (laughs) but when you, when you watch, him like defend you know when you're defending the post a lot of people don't do this but your quad is supposed to be pretty much used as a stool for the person who is posting ups like you want your quad lodged into the person's hamstring because mm-hmm. you're like that guy's not moving um so in terms of watching post defense that's something i look for because if you're doing that at a young age that means a you're either you know pretty smart mm-hmm. um and you're doing that because you were taught to do it and you're not doing it for that reason, or you have no idea what you're doing. You just know that's the right thing to do. Either way, that's a good look. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty good interior defender. He's a very, very, very good shooter. Um, hmm. He's some, like, Maryland ran stuff to actually get him off screens. Um, I posted a cool play last night where, like, you know, guy comes across, um, come, who's it? Anthony Cowan comes across the other way, guy cuts you to paint, then uh, Smith kind of like runs down and then he runs back up. So it's, it's like a circle route, I guess, kind of in football, mm-hmm. um, like a circle route pin down. I don't know. Um, really good shooter. Uh, he's probably uh, somewhere in the teens or so, probably a little bit lower than that. Maybe. Um, okay. 
yeah, he's just, you know, he's a good interior defender. I don't think he's a great one. I I think he'll probably be bullied by bigger guys in the NBA just because even if you have good positioning, it's going to help you a little bit because leverage and all that. But, you know, Embiid and Jokic and yeah. all those guys are tough, tough matchup. Yeah, different beasts. Tough, tough, tough matchup. matchup. How about uh, Tyrell Terry? He's another guy who actually I need to, I need to watch a little bit more of. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, but he's a, he's a good shooter. Uh, he's a pretty good passer. Um, he's got good touch in the paint. What else? Uh, he's a smart team defender, but you know he's tiny. He's like six two, one sixty five, and that kind of worries me. Like you know, I guess him and Nico would probably be somewhere around the same. Um, Dejon Davis, the map. So I would take Nico uh, well before I would even consider, not well before I'd even consider, but I would take Nico before Tyrell just because I think he's a better movement shooter and he is, his passing is a lot better than Tyrell's. Um, not because Tyrell's a bad one, but Nico is just that much better. Better, better passer. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's probably going to be like a backup-ish point guard, um, something along the lines of um, like a Yogi Ferrell maybe. Um, you know, like shooter against the paint a little bit, not really go for many finishes because he's kind of that thin and I don't think he'll get big because he's very slight. Um, but yeah, I like Terry. Okay. Sounds good, man. Salute to everybody in the chat. We're talking to Spencer Perlman of the step being hit that thumbs up button for yes, you sir. boys. All right. Uh, Spencer, one more call before we, um, before we roll, let's go to Chris from Brooklyn. Chris, how you feeling, man? Hey, what's up, guys? How's everything? Good, man. How you feeling? All right. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, loud and clear, bro. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to talk to you guys about the draft. Um, I know you guys mentioned earlier about LaMelo. I think he has to be our first-round pick as far as that number one lottery pick, um, it, even sure. if it means trading up. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I think we have to get LaMelo. I, I don't think there's a lot of teams on the top of the draft that need a point guard, and I think we need one desperately at this point. Um, my other point that I wanted to bring up was with that second first round pick. There's a lot of, there's a few prospects that I wanted to look at. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Vernon Carey, Jordan Nora, um, later in the, in the second round, actually, uh, Peyton Pritchard. Um, you know, guys like that, you know, um, yeah. a lot of guys that I was watching in college that, um, really impressed me as far as their ability to score, especially Jordan Nora and his leadership. So, um, I'll hang up and I'll listen to you guys and what you guys have to say. Sure. Um, so, so right. Carrie's interesting because Carrie, um, I saw some mock drafts that had him going to the Knicks with that 28 pick. Um, solid player for Duke, put up, I think, like 10 double-doubles. Um, you know, he's not going to stretch it for you, but he's got excellent footwork and can certainly work inside the paint. But Knicks need-wise, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if he's a guy that they target over, say, a shooter, or if they don't get the point guard in the lottery, you go get the point guard with that 28 or get a 3 and D guy. Um, what, do, what do you guys think? Jails, what what's, what's your thoughts on that? I don't know, man. So, yeah, to me, it's shooters. Even if it's not a guard shooter to me, like, if it's not a guard that can shoot, it's a power forward that can shoot to me. Yeah. Like, like, because just because of the guys we have where the guards are, um, you know, the guards or even just RJ itself versus just – so relying on just going through the hole, you just need that space. Yeah. Spencer, how about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I I probably wouldn't really pick Carrie. Uh, 
I mean, I guess at a certain point you just kind of have to pick talent, but I probably wouldn't pick them in like top 45 or something just because you don't really need like heavier set players with limited range um, on your team. You kind of need, like, especially from a backup big, and I think that's kind of what he is. Right. You need, mm-hmm. you know, athletes, I guess, like rim runners um, or just pure skill guys. And he's, he's skilled in the post for sure. Uh, he's got great touch around the rim, but I don't really think his skill level is that high. Um, Nawara, I, I mean, I would just kind of stay away from him. Um, he's a good positional defender. He's another guy I put on my report a couple weeks ago. Uh, pretty good positional defender. He can shoot the ball really, really, really well. On the flip side, um, he's you know six foot five, maybe six foot six. He's mm. kind of small, um, and he mm. finished around the rim at forty four percent in the half court. And to put that into perspective, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't even know how to do that, but that's, I think his number in the half court is the lowest out of every player I've looked at this year. And just the reports I put out publicly, I think I put out like 33 public reports, have many others that I have not released um, or that like are still in the process of, I guess, kind of finalizing. Mm-hmm. His is the lowest at the rim, and that's horrible. So, like, you know, I was talking to some guy from a team a couple weeks ago, and I was saying he's like a six foot five Anthony Tolliver type. Mm-hmm. And what is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, question. Sorry. Question. Yeah. What are, What are good finishing numbers at, at the um at half court? Oh, half. Um. So the way I do it, so for for wings and guards, I remove. Uh, so you know, the per, uh, using a program, I can remove all of isolation. Oh, I can filter it completely. Um, so my charts, I remove post-ups because wings are not posting up. Um, I remove putbacks because my goal is just to create when they're to look at the numbers when they're going downhill. Um, mm. and then the transition numbers, because as far as I'm concerned, if you're not finishing hundred percent of your paint attempts in transition, and I know this is impossible. Um, like what the hell, you know, that, that sucks. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mid fifties, um, that's. That, that's kind of like a good area. Um, 50, you know, 50. I mean, I think Lamelo was 53 overseas, but he was also playing in professional league. Um, I try to look for mid fifties. Killian was, I think 55 or so. I think Theo Maladon, uh, he was around 58, maybe or 57. Uh, last time I checked, um, Anthony Edwards was, I think he was like 60 or something. It was high for him, okay. which mm. makes sense because like, on right. top of being an amazing athlete, he's got awesome touch with both hands. Um, but yeah, mid-50s. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Um, I like him. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to picking him, but like, you know, a second round pick, I just, there's so many good backup point guard types in this draft, whether it's you know, someone like Trey Jones, uh, Cassius Winston, um, you, know, you could obviously roll the dice and somebody might not come over at all in Carlos Ellison, mm. um, go overseas a little bit more. Rokesh uh, Jokobitis, um, definitely botched that name. Um, you know, a little bit further down in the draft, Yam Madar, um, undrafted potentially. I mean, he's going to go undrafted because he's also like 150 pounds soaking wet. Um, uh, crap, what's his name? Lithuanian point guard. I can picture him. Um, I forgot his name. Lithuanian, Lithuanian, Lithuanian. Ar- Zagars, Artur Zagars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
I actually think he's he's probably a top three skilled point guard in the draft. He's just always hurt and he's very, very slight. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean like I, I again like I like looking at value uh for picks. Um so if you can get if you can get, you know, a similar banded player, and what I mean by that, if you can get someone who has like, you know, a similar floor and a similar ceiling, maybe like a little bit lower ceiling little bit lower ceiling, but a similarly high floor. Um, why would you take someone, you know, at 30, if you can get someone who's similar to that player at like 40. So yeah, like I'm not opposed to Pritchard in the second round. I just think that it can probably be used a little bit better. And, and his last question is, is LaMelo the can't miss pick that you have to trade for him to get him? Would you trade up to go get LaMelo if you're the Knicks? Is he can't miss? Um, I mean, I don't know if he's can't can't like he's not. I don't think a Zion type player. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he's clearly the best player in this draft. Um, and as long as I'm not giving up, like, like I wouldn't trade next year's pick point blank. Right. Um, I wouldn't because you know whether it's Cade or Jalen or Jalen or Jonathan or you know Evan or you know whoever. Um a really really good draft um so i wouldn't trade next year's pick but if i'm if i'm like trading you know this pick and i don't know like kevin knox i would yeah. do it uh this <laughs> year's pick and you know a protected pick in the future um a heavily protected pick in the future i know yeah. like i'm not trading anything that's not i wouldn't yeah i'm not trading any unprotected for yeah. next year that that's that's my yeah, thing no. in terms of absolutely trading. not Absolutely not too. I think you mentioned that earlier. I, yeah. I, would, I would do Knox though. I would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, would, I would trade Kev. I salute to um, Kev, man. No, 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 yeah, no salute. disrespect, Kev. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> I just think like you know, yeah. basketball like similar to the way a quarterback can change any franchise's direction in football. I think mm. single players in basketball can do the same thing. And if Lamelo, if Lamelo can't take you from you know a fifteen win team to a forty win team, which I don't think he can. I think he can take you. I think he can make a sizable jump. And I think those guys who can, who can do that are worth trading up for. Um, obviously you just don't want to give up everything. Uh, so, you know, Leon Rose and whoever's in the front office steps here, maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, make the right call. Just, you know, remember don't trade unprotected picks. <laughs> Be smart Please don't do that. Please, Leon. Especially yeah. next year. <laughs> yeah. Especially next year. Don't do that. <laughs> absolutely man salute to everybody in the chat once again we got a couple super chats in here michael parker sends us a super chat he says lamello is our number one pick uh we should try to land bay with the 27th pick not sure if he's talking about tyler sadiq probably tyler um denny ceiling he thinks is a poor man's deadlift shrimp he says his floor is mario hazonia Nah, I've, nah, uh, what you, yeah, what do you think about the Sazonia uh, comparisons, um, Spencer? Yeah. I've heard that before, man. People think he could be another Hazonia. Uh, so going back to, I guess, Mario when he was overseas, he had, and this is secondhand information, so it could all be wrong, but again, the person he told us to me is someone I trust. Um, he apparently was not well-liked by teammates. Mm. He was not known as a hard worker. Wow. Um, Oh wow! Denny is not that. Like Denny, he does everything you want in the court in terms of, like little stuff. You know, he's a smart player, but in terms of like his work ethic, I was speaking to an Israeli coach last summer, and I spoke. I asked specifically about Denny, and he's like, "Yeah, so his father is 
he's a coach. His father was a basketball player. He played professionally overseas. Mm. Denny has that professional attitude where if he, you know, if he misses three free throws in a game, which he does, you know, quite often, he's not a good free throw shooter, which I think is on mental. Mm. Um, but you know, if he, if he thinks he's a poor game, he's in the gym after the game or, you know, early next morning, well before everyone else getting shots up, like he is a work like maniac. Mm. Um, and also Mario was just a lot of projection. He was a, a good athlete. He was, you know, a streaky outside shooter. He was not a great passer. Denny is across the board, smarter player. He's a much better passer. He's much more liked by his teammates. He's a much harder worker. Um, he, I mean, he's not a great athlete, but I think he's actually pretty good in a straight line. Mm. Um, he plays pretty physically. Like he's, he's thin, but I found it pretty but, interesting that he, that he, I was watching the, the Mike Schmidt, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, film breakdown with him that he, he really likes to play in the post. He, he likes to yeah. go back to the basket as well and make plays from there. Yeah, well, that's, that's cool. Um, if you can actually go back and watch some of his FIBA stuff, he was doing everything for Israel, whether it was creating out of the post or running pick and rolls. He was like the guy um, mm. for the team. And so you really got a full sense of his um, skill package. Um, yeah, like Denny, he, he's not Mario. Um I think that's kind of insulting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like in, t- in terms of deadlift shrimp, I can't really speak to that. Yeah. I, like that was before my time. Um, I mean, I, it's definitely before my time. Now, right? now you like, also like, felt felt like his shot wasn't as broken as the numbers say, right? I mean, I think some of the knocks on him is is that is he's a bit inconsistent of a shooter, but but you liked, yeah, um, you know, some of his shooting, just just how it looked on film. What did you think about that? Yeah, so when I'm trying to make a shooting projection, obviously the numbers matter, um, but I'm a big believer in if you have good form chances are you can be at least like, you know, an average to above average shooter. Um, he, he has good form, you know, he has, I guess, a weird hunch in his back on some shots like that obviously has to go, but whatever, 32%, 31%, whatever he shot from three this year, people have to understand that he was given the ball with five seconds left and just kind of asked to create time and time again mm. for Tel Aviv. That brought his numbers down heavily. So okay. I posted his shot chart. Oh, was it? I think back in February, maybe. Um, he was at, I think, 41% on catch and shoot threes on like 80 attempts okay. outside the final five seconds. So from, mm. you know, six to 24 or whatever. Um, he, he shot very well from three. Um, the free throw shooting is weird. I can't explain that. I think it's just something in his head. Mm. But like, I can... I mean, maybe not easily see him, but I, I think it's pretty it's pretty fair projections to say he'll at least hit league average, which is around 36, 37% from three on, you know, four or five attempts a game. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Jails, any, anything on your end? No, nah, man, that makes me feel a little bit better about him because the, yeah. the shooting was a, a definite concern. Yeah. Him. So, I mean, the catch and shoot numbers – uh, yeah, I, I would like that, especially if you, if you think he's going to be with the Knicks. I'm not sure what range will be in, but you know that's something that we can use out of that power forward uh, slot to help give us some spacing. So yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he also had like a massive cold spell to end the season. Mm-hmm. So I guess just to like be fully transparent, I looked at it a few days ago. Mm-hmm. The same thing, mm-hmm. the attitude numbers, final 
five, six seconds. And from like February to whatever it was like on Monday, you know, these days, it's just kind of like today, tomorrow and yesterday. That's it. Um, the numbers dropped a lot. Mm. Uh, I think it went back to like the lowish 30s. Uh, mid, I think, yeah, it was around 33%, maybe 34%. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was just a cold spell. It went like two for his last 20 or something like that for free, which he's, it, it's Ooh. obviously bad, but he's not a 10% three-point shooter. Right. Um, yeah, I only yeah. caught one game. I caught the game they played Turkey. I think that was probably the last game that they played or the second to last. Mm. He didn't score at all, but um, yeah, yeah I, I didn't uh, I, I didn't see much of him this season. Um, definitely want to salute some more Super Chats that came in. Salute to B.I. Yeah, Wells. Man. He says, LaMelo, bro. Salute to Brett. And Mr. Durante sends us his $20 Super Chat. Mr. Durante, we definitely right. appreciate it. Salute to everybody in the chat. Definitely hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Um, before we sign out, mm-hmm. I just want to go to Dave from Arizona because he was waiting for a minute. This is the last call. Dave, you are the closer for the night. Uh, go ahead with your question, man. What's good, y'all? How you feeling, bro? Oh, no, man. Hey, I'm good, man. So you're talking the uh, best shooters in the draft mm-hmm. at one point. You were talking. And there is no better shooter in the draft than Aaron uh, Nasmith from out of Vanderbilt on uh, Jerry, Stock, Jerry Stackhouse uh, product. Mm-hmm. You familiar with him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Spencer, Spencer definitely is. But, yeah, we know. Yeah, he 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 more like, you know, a 6'6". Six, six, like better version of Buddy Hill, <clears throat> you know. Um, I, I haven't seen him on the mocks, but uh, you know that if the Knicks wanted to go that in that direction for a shooting, that would be the best option. And uh, and if they wanted the power forward position, of course, uh, I'll be uh, OB uh, Toppin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which brings me to my next question. I'm gonna ask you: uh, Is it is it possible that the Knicks could land? Obi Toppin and bring in Chris Paul, is it is that possible? Yeah, why not? Why not? I don't, I don't think they would have to put this year's pick in there to go get Chris Paul. Huh? I don't I don't think they would have to put this year's okay. first round pick or or uh um you know a pick that would affect this year's draft to go get Chris Paul. I mean, they could go get uh, Obi and and trade for Chris Paul. I don't see why that would be an issue. I can barely hear him, but um. I can't hear you, man. I'm gonna have to catch you next one. Okay, no, I mean, no problem. I, th- I think there was I an issue right. with, with the switchboard, yeah. but um, yeah. Well, all I was saying was that there shouldn't be an issue. I mean, if they really want to go get Chris Paul, they can make a trade for Chris Paul. Um, that that wouldn't necessarily impact this year's draft. Oh. I mean, th- Thunder's sitting on a bevy of don't, draft picks anyway. Mm, I'm yeah, so you think they'll take a lower? What do they do? Give him the twenty seventh. Keep him moving. I mean, I don't want to give him anything. <laughs> it's, a, it's a keeper. I want to give him anything too, but Chris Paul was bought on last year. They might be trying to ask for stuff now because he was because he wasn't he hasn't been injured. They might actually try try for stuff. <laughs> Twenty seven, Randall, uh, Ellington, Portis. How much is Chris Paul making? You gotta you gotta st- you gotta stack the other side of the scale to get to forty something, man. Forty, yeah, <laughs> that's shoot. a lot, man. Was Rand- Rand- Portis is at fifteen? Randall is at what? Uh, 17, 15, 17? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's thirty right there, and then and then you need to right probably there. find another five to ten. But yeah, I mean, I, DSJ, DSJ, there you okay, go. fine, perfect, perfect. That that's a perfect trade. But I say that to say I I wouldn't 
think that this year's draft and anything would impact. I mean, if they end up in a situation where they get Obi and they really want a Chris Paul, they could make it happen. I don't, I don't see anything, you know, keeping them from doing that. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, man. Um, Spencer, definitely appreciate you for joining us, man. It's definitely mm-hmm. a great show. I don't know when we're going to actually have an NBA draft, but when when we do get to that point, once we get to the lottery and so, uh, definitely want to have you back on once we know our position is solidified to, to really, you know, formulate a strategy and see how we want to go with the lottery pick 27 and, and 38 as well, man. But go ahead and um, sign out and, and let the people know where they can find you, bro. Well, first, thank you for having me again. I love this. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, SK Perlman. Um, and you can find all my uh, scattering reports are at the stepion.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had them up from last year too, if you guys want to see how I did. I haven't done that. I think I actually did pretty well, but uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Twitter, Stepian. Yeah. All right, JL, go ahead, man. Yeah, before I even get to me, yeah, definitely check out the um, check out the Stepian to read like the breakdown. And he goes into depth. For yeah. real, for real. Like, full, if any full, 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 yeah, he'll tell you if he has extra toenail or whatever. <laughs> it's all in there. <laughs> it's all full in there. Full write ups can be found <laughs> on stepping.com. But good point, Shields. Big facts. All right, all right, yeah. But yeah, you know what it is. Um, check out all episodes of Nigga Time Show. Still working on getting new stuff up. Um, because you know, we did our pod in person, so we had to kind of switch it up. But definitely check out episodes on youtube.com slash Nigga Time Show. Also, check all the old episodes. On SoundCloud.com slash Nigga Time Show, and it's on Spotify, and it's on Google, and all those platforms as well. Also, check out check out the blog on the Nigga Time Show.com. Shout out to my guy Ken, who's writing. And yeah, that's it. Alright, appreciate you fellas again, and um, salute to everybody that tuned in, man. Great show. I uh, hope you got some of your questions answered. A lot of you guys had questions. Couldn't get to all of them, but we appreciate Spencer for coming on. Appreciate JLs for coming through as well. And appreciate you guys for tuning in, man. We had over 400 people watching on YouTube. Salute to everybody that was watching on Facebook as well. Twitch, Periscope, we appreciate you guys. Remember, this show is available in audio podcast format. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, and Stitcher. So if you can't catch us live on YouTube, you can always catch a podcast version, which will be available available uh later on once the show goes off the air so once again salute to everybody for tuning in um let me just salute to some people in the chat salute to all the mods appreciate it jn i appreciate it gregory castillo definitely appreciate that Jaden diaz peace jim snyder appreciate it kent scott in here uh rome definitely appreciate it uh jl so you want to shout out man yeah, man, shout out to my guy, Alex Collins. Shout out to my guy, uh, Craig. Craig Williams always posts now, so heavy. So shout out to Greg. Shout out to Edward Sterling, Nick Murphy, uh, John Talento. Uh, 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 yo, I seen, I seen, I seen, I seen, uh, Germ Warfare. Yeah, Young Simba. Yeah, 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 Ted Green versus the Rad Team. Appreciate it. Um, Tomorrow night, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. We got a special guest, Gerald Brown. JL, so I was telling you about the story about Gerald Brown, right? So he was a a ball boy for the Knicks in the 80s um, during the Bomb Squad era. Ultimately, um, works for the Celtics 
And something happened with him and, and Larry Bird. That's all I'm going to say. There's a little issue with him and Larry Bird that happened that changed the outcome of that 1990 mm. comeback win against the Celtics in the playoffs. So you guys are not going to want to miss that story. It's a hilarious story. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow night, 930, we'll be back on the air, man. So, Spencer, thanks again. And we'll see you guys tomorrow, man. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.